0: Welcome to the YPAR podcast, a project of the Youth Research Lab at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. In the YPAR podcast, youth participatory action research practitioners discuss the ethical dimensions of conducting YPAR. In our podcast, we explore issues of co-leading YPAR projects, building relationships, power dynamics and sharing our work together. The Youth Research Lab is located in Toronto on the traditional territories of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
1: have a kind of politic that we don't talk about the work with the youth researchers. Every time that I think of an example of something that the young people have done and I want to offer it as an example, I have this moment where I have to check myself, yeah. am I talking about them without them?
0: Welcome everyone. My name's Naima and I'm the host of the YPAR podcast. I'm currently a graduate assistant here at the Youth Research Lab. I'm also a YPAR practitioner with a background working in schools. As you may know, today's episode is the second in a two-part conversation between Dr. Sarah Switzer and Dr. Ruben Gastambide Fernandez. Sarah is a YPAR practitioner and postdoctoral fellow at the University of Toronto, and Ruben is a YPAR practitioner, a professor at the University of Toronto, and the director of the Youth Research Lab. They're going to be continuing their conversation on ethical commitments and the politics of knowledge dissemination in YPAR. They're going to be discussing how do power dynamics play out in YPAR and while disseminating knowledge? How do we honor our ethical commitments while disseminating youth knowledge? What are the opportunities, challenges, and tensions in disseminating knowledge within academic spaces? I hope you got a chance to listen to our first episode So if you haven't, I would very much encourage you to check it out before you jump into this one. And like part one of the conversation, part two of this conversation was also recorded at the Youth Research Lab on U of T's campus. As I mentioned in our previous episode, the Youth Research Lab is a super fun and creative space, which made recording this so great. And with that, let's jump in.
1: I was thinking though that um, one of the aspects that we want to make sure that we talk about is this issue of dissemination, and I think maybe we can enter that through this question of structures and timing and expectations. Mm. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if that's a valid. It's a, if that's a helpful entry point for you. I mean, for me, I'm thinking that part of part of the challenges around the, the disseminating. The work and when I think about disseminating I think specifically around this question of how to share the work that young people do in our projects with the public we have sort of an expectation that that the dissemination aspect of our work is part of the grade and this is one of the challenges of doing participatory research within school is that there is there is an evaluative um, aspect to it that there is a kind of expectation that that there is some kind of product at the end that can be evaluated, um, and that, and that is a product that, you know, according to the parameters of schools, um, each individual student is supposed to be evaluated individually. But participatory research doesn't work that way. You know, we work in teams and we work in collaboration, and that's been challenging, um, even from the point of figuring out what exactly these products. Or look like or are, mm-hmm. never, never mind how to disseminate them, <laughs> you know, uh, what do they look like, who's involved mm-hmm. in creating them, what, what is a satisfactory outcome or product that that we can say, yep, that student got an 89, <laughs> you know, that student okay. got a 94, that, that, that is student such got attention. an 86, you know. Um, so for us, that question of dissemination, in a sense, the the, the actual question of how the work gets disseminated it's answered a priori because we've already decided coming in that at the end of the project we're going to have a presentation often that's up to debate you know we we usually tell the students you get to decide what this looks like you even get to decide if this happens you know you could you could decide that this quote-unquote final presentation is literally just us in a circle talking about our project or you could decide that you want to have a big public event and invite a bunch of people to see it that's completely up to you but there has to be something because we have to enter a mark, right? And we have to tell the the board, the district, yep, they've fulfilled the requirements, and here's the evidence, and here's the evidence that we're using to to give this student an eighty-three. You know, um, so so how do you think about that, right? Like how how what are the sort of what are some of the ways that um, that sharing the results of the work or or sharing the work that the people you work with produce, like how does that sort of figure in the way you think about ethics, That was a terrible transition, but anyway, <laughs> right. you take you take it out. Still, see where it goes. <laughs> I, I'm
2: still thinking about this. The the tension around great. I I I. Wow, what a yeah. c- contradiction. I yeah. Ah. <laughs> And I'm just thinking about the power dynamics that at play as, like, the teacher that grades, right? You know, already there are definitely in research power dynamics in terms of uh, folks' expectations um, that they need to be or perform in a particular way for you as a researcher, even if um, those relationships are ongoing. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I've Mm -hmm. had many experiences where someone will say something to me on tape that I'm like, I know that that is... <laughs> very different from everything else you've ever said to me you know because I've known folks for a very long time right right and I'm like oh, okay yeah yeah and then off tape you know they'll say something entirely right different you different. know or I'll even have like <laughs> confessional moments where folks will call me up the next day and i be like I really need you to know this you know um, and I'm like oh, yeah. oh okay, okay <laughs> you <yeah>. know <laughs> you know it's almost as if they're like they're they're trying to trying to because they're quite savvy, right? And being like, I'll tell you this on tape, and, and that's all about power. But anyway, <laughs> um, in that's a complete side tangent. In terms of dissemination, I mean, I'm certainly not limited by um, expectations around marking. Uh, I think dissemination is something that's uh, negotiated in an ongoing way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say that, um, well, I can't generalize. Um, the sharing of the work is often the pull for folks to, mm-hmm. to be involved mm-hmm. in the first place oh, um, in the sense that they, uh, they want to see research that makes a difference. Um, they want, um, if we're, we're working through the arts or other forms of cultural production, they want to celebrate in the work that they produced. Um, they want to know that it wasn't for nothing. Uh, and so there's often a very keen interest in dissemination from the very beginning. Um, now, I'm not saying the academic articles. Folks don't really care so much about about those, and, you know, why Why should they? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but conversations are definitely negotiated, ongoing. Um, and I find, especially with my work with young people, and in, in part because it's because I've been working with the same group of folks for a very long time, Make did sure. we lose it? Yeah. Uh, there going. we go. Okay. Um, and in this, I'm thinking more specifically about the recent project I did, which was around kind of um, how uh, stakeholders in different organizations considered or uh, thought about engagement. So uh, in this case, we're thinking about youth engagement. So I'm mm-hmm. working with young leaders who are already very actively involved. Uh, and I... Mm-hmm. One of my one of one of the challenges I didn't have I didn't have an unlimited budget. I also mm-hmm. didn't have an unlimited amount of time. Mm-hmm. I was doing it as connected to my doctoral work, so mm-hmm. it did need to kind of wrap up. And even if I wasn't doing it, was part of my doctoral work. Um, I had the constraints of the funder. I had um, there's there's only so much you can do, and so uh, balancing everyone's desires to be involved and uh, with just the human resources capacity um, to kind of follow that involvement through. And so one of the ways that I have uh, attended to that, which I think connects back to ethical commitments, has been really explicit with folks that this is their work and they can do with it what they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that has opened up opportunities for folks to do stuff with the work that has nothing to do with me. And in Mm -hmm. fact, that is Mm -hmm. the best case Mm -hmm. scenario so that we can organize a series of events um, you know within our our project, whether it's an exhibit, whether it's multiple I do a lot of co um for lack of a better word co-led or co-authored presentations where um, young folks and myself will go and we'll present at professional conferences, less academic conferences um, because folks aren't really interested in that um, so we'll present to physicians or cl- mm-hmm. um, service providers or policymakers uh, and that work is always so important um, it takes a lot of time but it is so important so we'll do a lot of those um we'll produce you know Public documents that get circulated. And one of the benefits of, of, of those documents is that because they're tangible, folks can literally go and do stuff with them mm-hmm. that, again, is completely outside of the parameters of the project. Uh, and so it hasn't been uncommon for me to be chatting with folks and they're like, oh, I went and talked on a panel the other day about the project. And I'm like, did yeah. you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I mean, and at first I was like, Ugh. "Yeah," And then I was like, you yeah. know, I got to let up control. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if we're really going to say this is a participatory collective project, yeah. then things are going to come out that have nothing to do with me, and that is what we ought to strive for. You know, I've had other young people, they created, we we worked on this um, co-authored book chapter with a bunch of young folks um, around thinking about how to structure peer led programs and uh it was a the chapter's called what's glitter got to do with it um mm-hmm. i remember yeah i can't remember the full title but i bring up glitter because i found out a few years later a group of them or so one of the, one of them had been asked by this uh organizing body that um organized this conference for community members uh and they said we need there has been critique over time that there wasn't a youth focus so they said oh, okay we're going to pay a young person to do a thing But So this young person ended up navigating with the organizers that they needed a larger budget, and they went and recruited a bunch of folks that had worked on this chapter Mm -hmm. and other projects together, and they created this installation um, of a chair covered in glitter, Hmm. um, which they put in the conference as as a kind of representation of a seat at the table, Mm -hmm. and then asked folks to kind of lacquer... um, And then they had all these statements on the chair that were quotes from... Um, the book chapter we had uh, created, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they, their, yeah, quotes, their quotes, their mm-hmm. quotes, not mine, uh, and then asked folks to kind of contribute to the chair in terms of their own commitments, um, in terms of what they were going to be doing within their own spaces to make sure that young people actually had a voice at the table. And it was actually quite an intervention for them to put this chair in a space that um, has traditionally not been very um, youth-centered. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. And I had no idea that this had happened, like I found this out after the fact yeah. you know i was I was delighted um so I don't know, I guess it kind of speaks to dissemination. that it' that it's a it's a balance in terms of how these things get negotiated um and a lot of the time you know it also comes down to to resources too, which I think is something yeah. that. We don't often talk about publicly
0: yeah. in
2: participatory research you yeah. you you know it it's like what happens when the budget runs out? The budget runs out, <laughs> and then how do you continue this work when the work is often really pressing? So we can say, "Yes, okay, we'll apply for another grant um but the the reality is that that takes a very long time, and are folks willing to wait around? you know these grant cycles can take sometimes one, two years. Yeah. Um to get the grants. And so it's definitely a yeah. it's it's a challenge.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to hear about the continuation of the relationships beyond the parameters of the project. Probably the closest that I can think of that, and this is directly related to dissemination, is the creation of Insight, um, the journal Insight, which evolved out of the work that Leela Angod, uh, who was a postdoctoral fellow at the time and who was uh, who took the lead with the Wiper project that we did at the at the private school, at a nearby private school. Um, and it was really Leela and the young people that she was working with in that project that sort of um, first imagined insight and kind of made insight run. Um, and so probably insight is the is the biggest sort of Public dissemination project that has grown out of these uh, mo' uh, most ongoing of course the difference there is that this is not about their own work, so they've basically created a platform for other young people to share the work that they were doing in projects through this online acad- academic in quotes um and i and I say academic in quotes not because I don't think it's academic but because they've very deliberately you know, one of their goals is to very deliberately challenge the parameters mm-hmm. of what it means to be academic, yeah. and, and, and particularly when engaging young people, um, the ways in which young people want to share their knowledge don't rarely look the way that we adults, <laughs> <laughs> academics, want to share at work, and it doesn't make it less academic. So, so probably that's the closest to that. I sort of lost my thought a little bit um, in thinking about this piece of dissemination
2: you know, it's interesting when when you're talking about insight. Though I think, I think one of the the pieces that's really integral to the work that we both do, just coming out of this conversation, is that rec- kind of recognizing and allowing for like multiple different products, for lack of a better term, you know, and and not going in with any pre decided expectation of it's going to look this particular way and I think that that's really important for the the process to be emergent so that mm-hmm. if young people decide that they're like I want to start a journal okay that is that is a possibility um not prefigure, prefiguring things from the the start right I think that that's been really really key I mean it can be challenging from a funding perspective because right for grants you have to write in a plan right. you know funders are not so open to we're just going to see what happens see what happens.
1: yeah that's right <laughs> yeah.
2: um and not, so not,
1: not something funders want to see
2: yeah and so it's like how do you then as a researcher in terms of those ethical commitments build a grant that is you know uh, robust enough grant so you'll get the funding but also be open enough to okay. know that you can throw the entire thing out the window yeah um yeah. if you want to and yeah. and that is a that, and that's and that's actually, I think, a, it, it's a skill um, that you need to kind of hone as a participatory researcher if you want to get funding. But it's also incredibly important for the work because right. you need folks to be able to then, you know, build these installations or run right. off and do these projects or, um, uh, you know, build an academic journal. Mm-hmm. Um And when we were co-authoring the Glitter chapter, I went into that project not expecting that we were gonna write a a book chapter Mm -hmm. at all. I thought we were gonna do a video because we had done videos before. Mm -hmm. We were gonna do a series of presentations. And um, I don't even know how it came up, to be totally honest. But I remember we were sitting around the room and we were talking about knowledge production. uh, Not so much in those words, but how knowledge gets produced, uh, uh, specifically around young people. And uh, I'd mentioned something around kind of, oh, you know, will folks get cited? As some of these young people were also starting to learn how to write grants um, at this time, um, programming grants, and for background in public health, there's this huge move towards evidence-based programming, right. um, which put a lot of demand on folks in community to justify um, what they already know mm-hmm. um, using outside sources. So they were kind of like navigating that and being like, what is this this thing that we're, you know, that, mm-hmm. You know, we have to do it even even for youth-led programming. You mm-hmm. have to do it, and so next thing I you know, I had pulled up Google Scholar, and we had, we had a screen and a so we, we did it with the with not on PowerPoint, but like we had it projected, and so let's just search for stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they told me the, the terms, and I put it in, mm-hmm. and and they're like, but what? You know, like, you know, this guy,
0: right. this jerk, <laughs> he has
2: how many citations and this right. is what he's writing? You know, right. stuff that was very focused on risk, right. very essentializing around youth yeah. categories, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not accounting for issues of systemic racism or transphobia or homophobia mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. poverty or any of this. And they were pissed off. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, how do we get on this list? Mm-hmm. They said, "Well, unfortunately, you know, all of you know the work that we do is so important in terms of the mm-hmm. participatory videos, the workshops, all of that. You know, that is very, very, very important. It probably will make more change than stuff mm-hmm. on this list. But unfortunately, because of the powers that be and academic structures, they won't ever end up on Google Scholar."
0: Mm.
2: Uh, and they said, "Well, we want to end up on Google Scholar. So how do we do that?" I said, "Well, we can write, a write, write a chapter, yeah. <laughs> and so and that's that's, that's how we did it. But it wasn't." It was never through it was never a didactic process, right? Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. it was ensuring that anything could kind of come up at any given moment. Um, and then negotiating mm-hmm. all of that. And then again back to the flexibility, being like, oh, okay, so how are we gonna do this? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a great story, Sarah. And, and
1: you know, it it actually reminds me of how important insight is. Yes. You know? Because insight is such an important venue for just that. You yeah. know, for uh and and for making sure because the other thing that happens in academia uh, that that or another way in which academia sort of ends up having a an undue influence on things is citation practices mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to cite a video that you saw at a at a community gathering mm-hmm. it's very difficult to cite a tweet or or, or to cite um, an installation, you know, like the wonderful installations that you created, that you group, you know, created together. But and so and so, this becomes a political project of interfering, mm-hmm. uh, intervening, interfering, intervening, in an academic project by producing a space that then allows that work to be cited. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a similar way that we're hoping these blogs will yeah. also become, uh, or these these interviews, these conversations will also become a way to do that is. It, it interferes in the, pra- in the academic yeah. practices that give certain kinds of work salience um, yeah. by, by making it available for that so mm-hmm. that we can so that this can be cited so that yeah. that work can be cited yeah. so that it can show up on Google Scholar you know yeah. when somebody yeah. is looking it up and I, it really sort of underscores that for me, but it also r- uh, speaks to a tension, a big tension in in this question of dissemination for us, which is that we have a kind of politic that we don't talk about the work without the, without the young youth researchers or we don't talk about the particular research projects but it's really difficult to talk about the work that we do with them without talking about the work they're doing and so even right now when we're having this conversation you know every time that I think of an example of mm-hmm. something that the young people have done and I want to offer it as an example I have this moment where I have to check myself yeah. am I talking about them without them yeah you know I'm about to go on this weekend uh, this week to go up to Ottawa uh, to this event, and I'm supposed to present the work of the Youth Research Lab. And I, as I'm presenting the press, you know, I'm constantly second-guessing myself, you know. Am I going too far? If I show this image, am I going too far? If I say, how much can I say about this without without violating my own ethical principle mm-hmm. that I don't talk about it without them, you know? Absolutely. And usually our, our, our sort of... we We usually say... These have been approved, and it is true. Like these yeah. images are images that we that that we as a collective have agreed can be shared, and where the young people who are here have said yes, you may share that image. But even still, you know, because we haven't come, we haven't sat down to decide what should be said about that image in that context. What if somebody has a question? You know, this is probably in terms of dissemination is is the is the tension that I struggle with the most on a more regular basis it seems small you know like you know, figuring out what to say about something, and yet it's so big. It's huge. <laughs> it is so it's big. It's huge. It, you know?
2: even, even while we're talking, I gave the example of the glitter chair. well, that's not mine to share, right. and I'm fully cognizant of that, so right. if we decide to do anything with this, right. uh, there is no way that is going to stay on the tape unless right. I get permission right. from, because otherwise, then it feels gross, like I'm right. taking credit for something that had right. nothing to do with right. me, right. you right. know? Yeah. And so then how do you, And then, and then for me, it's particularly tricky as kind of a young scholar that's expected mm-hmm. to go out and share my yeah. work, these venues but I can't always do it with folks by my side I try you know I try to prioritize that but it's not always possible because of the expectations of academia and in in truth a lot of the young folks I work with they don't want to go to a critical geography conference (laughs) you know or like you know they they want to go to the professional conferences Mm -hmm. they want to speak to policymakers to clinicians Mm -hmm. to funders um and say this is what needs to change. Mm-hmm. But the academic spaces aren't really for them. Yeah, and so then how how that gets in. so that for me is where I kind of um navigate that. If it's a purely academic conference. And even still there are certain pieces of our work, you know, like so we have um uh uh we spent a lot of time as a as a group thinking about um the idea of journey and what journey means mm-hmm. um, for thinking about community engagement work, and um, so we co-authored a, a paper on it. it. It just got accepted, yay! Oh, <laughs> uh, it'll be out this week, um, and that's a co-authored piece. And because it's co-authored, I would never present that by myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if and and, and and I I could, you know, the academic powers that be, you know, would it, mm-hmm. you know folks would have their names on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could stand up mm-hmm. and do it, mm-hmm. um, but I only do it in community spaces um, and the one one time where it was presented by myself, I made sure that my other co-authors were in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a ten minute presentation, so it mm-hmm. wasn't possibly be mm-hmm. shared, but they were in the room, and they when it came to me to answer questions on the panel, we previously agreed that I would defer to them, mm-hmm. and they would answer so mm-hmm. that's how we kind yeah, of intervened so like the yeah. yeah but you know. It yeah it when I am standing at that critical geography conference, mm-hmm. usually I also talk about methods. I feel like that's a bit safer, um, but it like it's tricky.
1: It is very tricky. It's I always yeah. think like
2: you know or yeah when you have to answer questions, it's like well, yeah. you don't you can't you don't you can't expect what questions right. are going to come up.
1: Just to kind of know this difference that you you made reference several times to the fact that uh, oftentimes the young people that you work with have already established leadership. Uh, roles and have gained leadership experience Um, and it's interesting to hear what kinds of opportunities that opens in Mm -hmm. terms of the initiative that they take uh, and the demands that they make of the work and you know I find that for example when it comes to facilitation or even we end up doing a lot of mentoring we end up doing a lot of in a sense training Um, and I don't know how to talk about this. It's so hard to talk about, you know, when this aspect of the work, of, of, yeah. of capacity building, of skill yeah. development, of learning how to be, yeah. like it's so hard to talk about it from, uh, perhaps because we have this ethical commitment to beginning from their strengths. You know, we have this mm-hmm. ethical commitment to, to beginning the work that we do from an asset-based perspective that, that thinks first of the strengths that they bring to the work. And I could do that, but it's hard. It's 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 funny to then talk about the areas of growth
0: that yeah. we all have. We all have yeah. areas
1: of growth. Right? Yeah. I have still have areas of growth, even though I've been doing this for ten years. So obviously, they've only been doing this for a year. So of course they have areas of growth. But I don't know. How do you talk about this? Like this is yeah. uh, you 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 can hear me stumbling. I don't even know how to talk about it. Yeah. Uh,
2: I, it's. I mean it's it's. It's interesting for me. I think about it as collective capacity building, mm-hmm. because in a lot of my projects, we also have these kind That's of so formalized, informalized training pieces. Um, but for me, a lot of my work is informed by uh, kind of Frarian ideas of education and popular education. That even in those trainings, it's always starting with their lived experience and mm-hmm. what they already know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if I do it well, but it's a lot more integrated into. Um, the work we're doing rather than standalone. Um, I also know I've, I've worked on projects before, uh, not with young people, but I think it's a, an illustrative example, uh, where we have started every meeting um, with a 10 to 15 minute presentation or workshoppy thing that every single person around the table has to do mm. um, that's to train all of us on something. Mm. And those mm. have been spaces where mm. there have been community members, mm. um, again, physicians, researchers, mm. staff, um, all sorts of folks in different um, roles, and every single person has to do this 15 oh, minute powerful. piece, yeah. uh, and that was, it really worked for that one particular project. Um, hmm. So I think it's really kind of shifting how, how capacity building is framed and thought about. I think one of the things that um, is an aid to the work that I do is the young people that I work with um, have already come out of a capacity building program, uh, yeah. right? Um, that that was sense. a youth-led yeah. program, and this is really, really key mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the young folks I've worked with have also been pushed out of school. You know, mm-hmm. some of them have been precariously housed and have spent time on the streets. Many of them have not finished high school, mm-hmm. um, and so these are not the young people that you might be running. Imagine running the you know high school debate team or mm-hmm. taking over <laughs> uh, a meeting. You know they. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be careful because I want to make a, a very strength based, um, right. yeah, uh, you know, exactly. yeah, uh, but there's also struggle because life sure. is hard and life because hard. power exists and because we are living, you know, uh, on stolen land, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, we are living, you know, in a, in an epoch that for a very long time has been white supremacist, no. you know, and so that yeah. can't be ignored in terms yeah. of when we yeah. think about who comes to the yeah. table it's and who has idea. powers. And so for me, capacity building is also, it's, it's an ethical commitment in terms of um, pr- making sure that folks have the training that they need but also to be open enough so that they're training me mm-hmm. and to be transparent yeah, sure. in that conversation uh, and I think that that has really helped things. It's also allowed for a lot of co-training to happen so you had mentioned earlier that you've got this mentorship um, component mm-hmm. to your YPAR project and that's been something that's been really integral to my work as well.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the YPAR podcast. I'm still reflecting on Sarah and Ruben's conversation. I'm thinking about their reflections on dissemination as being negotiated in an ongoing way. The importance of being emergent and flexible in decision-making about dissemination products. And the ways that they describe youth co-lead in academic spaces and intervene in academic literature. Stay tuned for our next episode and see you next time.